0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. First of all, I wanted to say hello, that my name is Amber, if you don't know me yet. This is my first week at the cathedral. Last week was my first Sunday with you all, so we've made it a week together. And I wanted to say thank you uh, for your welcome here both uh, this morning and uh, through your notes, through the words that you've stopped by and seen the office. and th- So the dean's class was last week. It was get to know Amber Carswell. And we had this little box set up in the back where you got to ask any sort of anonymous question that you want on these little note cards. And mostly what you asked there was welcome, which you may notice is not actually a question. But I like that about y'all. I think the world would be a better place if questions about another person were translated first into open hearts and open arms. Hospitality, after all, is one of the oldest stories we tell about just who God is. And I keep hearing you tell it here. But the question you didn't ask, uh, and the question I'll go ahead and ask for you, is who is your least favorite gospel writer? <laughs> and I'll go ahead and answer it for you, too. It's John, uh, today's gospel writer. Sorry for all you Team John folks out there. Team Mark all the way. It's, uh, John's fine. It's, G- it's the Jesus that I meet in John that's the problem for me. He's so unlike the Jesus that we meet in the Synoptic Gospels. He's full of all of these long-winded speeches and unbroken monologues, and signs and symbols and mystery, and sure, it's, it's all beautiful, very poetic language, but it's notoriously dense, difficult. So I get it today when the crowds come up to Jesus and pressure him to speak clearly How long will you keep us in suspense is the polite way to translate that. To get the real tone of the annoyance there, it might be, how long are you going to keep bothering us without telling us what you mean? That's probably a little closer. Tell us plainly, Jesus, the Jews demand. Another reason John is least favorite, because it's always the fault of the Jews. And we all know the sort of monstrosity that hooked on to that sentiment and grew into millennia of horror for the Jews. Yeah, I get it. John's beleaguered oppressed community had been shunned from the synagogues, right? Just like they'd been ostracized by the Roman government, religious structure caught up with empire, corrupted by the machinations of government. This collusion of of piety and power that led to discrimination, that led to death. I think think we all get that. We get it. Why John does it. But it doesn't mean that I like it. Tell us plainly, they ask Jesus. And we like a guy who tells it like it is. It's what we demand of politicians, right? Right? the no-nonsense woman, my fourth-grade teacher who could cull a riot with the force of her stare, right? It's what we want in a salesperson. No runaround, just just tell me plainly. It's what we ask of the doctors after the test results come in. It's when things fall apart that we, or at least I, have asked of God could you just be a little more clear? Jesus' response today is I've been telling you. I've told you plainly. Which, if you haven't memorized the Gospel of John, I'll tell you that in the true sense, he's not actually said that. He's not said the words, I am the Messiah to anywhere. He hasn't done it. But he says it's what he's done. That's more important than certainty. More telling than these binary terms. Look at my actions, he says. You can tell who he is from that. And there's a way that the sentences, that statements about him, about God, fall short of accounting for how God comes to us in the world. This Tuesday night, I was sitting in the bar at Whole Foods because, whoa, I live in a place now with a Whole Foods and that also sells beer. <laughs> but I was, I was there to meet with the group of your young adults who get together twice a month and they ask those difficult questions of life and meaning. And they find that it's good to do this with company and even better to do this with a little bottled courage. The topic that they had chosen to talk about on Tuesday was uh, mystical experiences. And for all of you hardline rationalists out there, I get it too. I came to Christianity thinking a whole lot about Christianity. Uh, I was an information science undergrad. I took more calculus classes than was actually necessary for someone who was going to become a priest. And I liked it. I like a garden that is divided exactly into square-foot, neat sections. I like numbers divisible by two and five. But we were talking about the mystical experience. And the definition that someone had given of a mystic was this. A mystic is anyone who has the gnawing suspicion that the apparent discord, brokenness, contradictions and discontinuities that assault us every day might conceal a hidden unity. A hidden unity waiting to be known. As we went around the table talking about this, everyone a little shy about owning up to a term like mystic, what they started to say were these experiences that were often very simple, hard to explain, hard to put words around, but that everyone could get the feel of, to begin to understand and just start to name. The sense of connection, of of synchronicity. That these experiences were not often like being blinded on the road, like St. Paul, but something a little more like Julian of Nora, which is contemplation of the hazelnuts this glimpse of understanding that she had, that all of life is sustained by this connection, the sense of being called into wonder, the fleeting sense of something like a voice. I'm guessing if you're here today, uh, it's something like that happened to you maybe a long time ago, but whatever it was that convinced you that there was something more, whatever that might be. Jesus says in our gospel today that it's like this. We are sheep, being called by the great shepherd of the human heart. That following God is more like the unmistakable voice of the shepherd who speaks a complex language, greater then the one that we speak as sheep, but who comes through to our ears as the voice of assurance, a voice that we come to know and recognize even when our minds, sheepish as they are, don't understand the words. It's not plainly put. It's not simply said. And I guess I I do like the book of John, after all. I I do think he's right. Jesus says you'll know who he is by his embodiment. And what we come to understand and came to understand after Christ is that we actually come to know God through his embodiment. We begin to know God not through formulas or binaries, but through this myriad of nonlinear and multidimensional ways, through the scripture, through the ordinary human words breathed in with something divine, through sacraments, ordinary food and drink, imparted with holy mystery. And in our lives, in your lives, ordinary minds and bodies, enlivened with that same presence that, as C.S. Lewis says, the holiest thing that you meet outside of the sacrament is our neighbor. When we know that, it's our welcome, your welcome, your acts of hospitality and open arms. They become a way of of retelling that story our shepherd is telling And I keep hearing you tell it here. Amen.